just remember that all of these people we're seeing, we're just seeing them on camera, right? Or the Instagram version. And it's just like, let that be a light thing and let it go. And if you start feeling stressed about it or that kind of, ah, I need to be doing more, stop watching those people, turn it off, go somewhere else, go for a walk, get into nature. Remember what it is just to be. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we help professionals navigate the emotional and promotional sides of the job search in order to stress less and earn more in their careers. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Jocelyn Brady to the podcast. Jocelyn is a neuroleadership certified brain coach, speaker, edutainer, and host of Tiny Tips, the internet's favorite way to brain. She helps visionary leaders create what they most want to do before they die, and she's got an amazing perspective on how we think in our work. In our conversation today, we discuss how to let go of your ego, how to kill your comfort zone, and how to get advice from your deathbed self in order to make better decisions in your career today. If you like this episode, be sure to check out Jocelyn's work linked in the description and leave us a review on iTunes so we can help more people navigate their careers in healthy ways. So without further ado, here's my convo with Jocelyn. Let's just dig in. The first thing that I that I really just want to touch on as we kick things off is brain coaching. Um, for those who might not know what it is, obviously they know what career coaches are, but what are brain coaches and how did you uh, find your way into that career? It's ultimately about helping people improve their thinking. So, and I think we can all use, uh, it's like a constant um, need to just stay healthy. And, you know, it's, if you want to stay in physical shape, you, you take walks and you eat well and you exercise and it's maintaining healthy ways of thinking. Um, we can get caught in a lot of thinking traps, you know, talking about imposter syndrome and um, all of the things kind of when we're not expressing who we are and what we really most want to be doing, we tend to shut down and by extension, shut other people down and get really nasty and start coming up with all the reasons why things are impossible. Um, you know, criticizing other people for doing things that we think should be impossible, that sort of thing, getting stuck in those, the shitting and masturbating. Um, Dr. Albert Ellis was big on that, coined that term masturbating. I love it. It's so gross and wonderful. <laughs> and, and, and it's just really helping people identify, pull these thoughts to the surface that are sometimes running under, you know, deep in the, in the chasm of the ocean of your thoughts. So it's just bringing those to the surface and giving them some attention, some loving, compassionate attention and learning where you can redirect those thoughts to more you know, productive and nourishing and fulfilling places. And I like the, the, the masturbating. I was watching your video on that and it is one of those funny terms, right? And I, I've definitely had a few of those terms come up in the work that I've done in regards to, I think uh, me and my old business partner used to call it mental masturbation when people would just keep watching TED Talks for hours and hours, but never actually do anything or the positivity porn that exists on Instagram <laughs> and the internet and everything like that. So let's dig into that real quick. Cause I do think that there's some really fascinating things around um, the shoulds, the musts, and just the overwhelming amount of content that we consume 
online and how it can make people feel paralyzed uh, in the different pursuits that they have in their careers and in their work. When it comes to those shoulds and musts, what, what do people typically, what, what information do you think that they're typically being fed and how is it being interpreted um, poorly in, in their minds? Oh, there's so much good stuff there. First, thinking about <laughs> mental masturbation and what was it, positivity porn, when you're yeah. just ingesting all of this content that's, and it's, and it can make you feel really inferior. It's like, wow, there's all this stuff out there. Look how smart these other people are. And, um, and it's very addictive, right? Like we, we love it. We love the scroll. We love soaking things up. It's so much easier to passively absorb uh, content and just like the Netflix binging, right? It's like, comfortable and we feel like we're kind of doing something um, just by absorbing that stuff, but it's taking away from us being in action and getting into flow. Um, I think a lot of the information people get or the, the thoughts that come up around should and must is how you should behave, what a you know productive member of society should be doing. Uh, you should be a good uh, little worker and clock in and out on time and go above and beyond and brag about how busy you are. Um, show the boss that you're, you know, doing everything you can, you deserve a raise, et cetera, et cetera. And then when it comes to, you know, self-employed and entrepreneurs, oh, there's a, a lot of expectation, I think, when we see these other people talking about particularly pernicious uh, you know, profitability toxic. Look how much money you can make. Be a millionaire by doing this quick, easy thing. Just send out emails. It's the solution to everything. And we're not seeing all of the blood, sweat, tears, and grit that that goes behind the scenes. You know, when I think anyone in entrepreneur world can identify with this, where we have tons of waves. Sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to go on LinkedIn and look up all the jobs that are out there. I, let's just see what's out there, and. Uh, you know, it's like, it comes in those ups and downs and it's like, what should I be doing? What does success look like? Um, I should be making more. Uh, I should be writing more. I should be creating more. I should be getting more stuff out there. And that just gets us trapped into, you know, we think about, you say should immediately you feel like shut down. It induces that sense of shame that you aren't doing enough and by extension, or therefore you are not enough. And that's, that's a load of garbage. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's something that is active too. It's not like there's a bunch of people having a wonderful time. And then we feel sort of that. I mean, I, I think that exists too, but we feel that FOMO, but there is actually an entire genre of the internet that is you're not doing enough. And they are actively shaming you kind of the way that you know, parents might shame or that schools might shame or that religions might shame, right? There are messages out there that are actively shaming us and telling us that we're not doing enough and we should be doing more, you know? I don't think, of course, Gary Vee is just the loudest person out there. I don't think he's necessarily trying to shame people, but I do feel that everyone I talk to that watches his content feels a sense of I'm failing. I'm just always failing next to this person that I watch. And, and I think that there's something interesting in the education versus entertainment sort of line walking that we see. 
online where, you know, maybe you take a course to learn a skill that you then apply to your career, or maybe you just get caught in a series of YouTube videos that kind of dance around the topic, right? Um, what do you sort of feel is that, is the way that we can help our brain navigate that path so that we can keep skewing towards the more productive things rather than getting caught in maybe the sort of whirlwinds of, of procrastination and, and lack of productivity? Yeah, I mean, I mean, first it's thinking about going back to how most of us are raised in the society we're raised in, right? It's not set up for, it's not made for us to be our most productive, healthy selves necessarily, because even the education K through 12, right? We go in to this very strange structure. It's like eight to three or whatever it is. And then you have summers off and then you go into the workforce, which is like no more summers off. And you're sitting, it's like set up uh, like, you know, pupil and, and Lord. You have this person in the front of the room telling you what to do. Here's the boxes you fill in. Here's how you get the A. The A is the most important thing. Here's how you go in and get, you know, the job. Here's what you should be making, et cetera, et cetera. So it's no wonder we feel like, ah, I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. It's like that's been instilled for years, decades. Then when we go to watch somebody like a Gary Vee, we can forget this guy is a personality. That's making him who he is. That's making him a living like good on him for figuring out his way of being in the world to define his own success. But we get caught up in thinking we need to be like this guy. And there's how many, 7 billion, whatever people on the planet yeah. with 7 billion perspectives. And all of us have something to offer and something to bring and a unique way of seeing. And it's, I was just talking about this, the diversity of, of thinking and being on the planet, like look at the biodiversity and then the thinking, thinking is helpful in us creating cooler stuff and, um, and progressing us. And I think that plus remembering that we can't be on all the time. We only have so much time. We only have so much focus power. Our brain is incredibly greedy for calories, uh, even something like prioritizing. It's one of the most um, energy taxing things that we do is just, what do I do first? Then if we're starting off our day by the scroll or consuming, we're short circuiting that. It's like, it's like you're training yourself to, I need to be short circuited in the morning so I can go insane and tell myself stories about how I'm not doing enough. <laughs> so, so again, no wonder, uh, if you're feeling frazzled and like you're not doing enough, that's it's part of the reason. So I think it's creating space for yourself to give yourself, nourish yourself every day, particularly first thing when you wake up, because that's going to frame how you see the rest of your day. If you wake up, for example, and um, try to find something to be grateful for, expressing some gratitude for something as simple as the way the light is shining through the window um, for the health of you and your cat and how comfortable your bed is. The fact that you have a bed and a house and a place to sleep in and, and food to eat uh, that can help you be in a more toward state. And then diving into something again, that nourishes you creatively. Um, and I, and by creatively, I mean, every single human on the planet has creativity, or I think if you didn't, you'd be dead. Um, it's the ability to see things in new ways, assemble things in new ways and make stuff, you know, 
So I think it's diving into that when you wake up and then you can take in the world and hold all of it lightly. Just remember that all of these people we're seeing, we're just seeing this them on camera, right? Or the Instagram version. And it's just like, let that be a light thing and let it go. And if you start feeling stressed about it or that kind of, ah, I need to be doing more, stop watching those people, turn it off, go somewhere else, go for a walk, get into nature. Remember what it is just to be. I like how you said, take it more lightly. I think that's such a key phrase to keep in mind as we're navigating our careers and trying to find work that is right for us. Like interviews, take them more lightly. Content that you watch, take it more lightly. Uh, Times that you get in trouble or screw up, take it all more lightly. I think that that's a really great way to put it. And one of the things that I find so interesting because we grew up in this sort of go, 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 hit the deadlines, pop quiz kind of world. I think sometimes we've been trained to have um, anxiety be our only motivator. And I think if you take away someone's anxiety, I noticed this when I was in therapy and I started to get a little bit healthier. I stopped being as productive and as motivated as I was prior because I didn't have the anxiety driving me. And I I was Mm -hmm. talking to some folks and they're like, yeah, it's kind of funny how you gain weight after therapy because you're not like worried about how everyone looks (laughs) at you all the time. And that kind of uh, is interesting to me because, you know, the most, from going back to the shits and musts, there's the other side of the coin where everyone says, you should, where maybe the Zen side of the world says you should be bored and let creativity flow from your boredom and let your natural interests come out. But I think some people have a moment of panic when they start moving away from anxiety as a motivator to potentially boredom as a motivator or some other motivator um, where they're losing that. They feel like they're losing that drive, kind of like how a comedian who gets sober thinks they might not be funny anymore. I'm curious, have you noticed the different types of motivators in your clients? What what keeps people motivated or what are the different ways that people find motivation? Oh, that's such a good question, a good topic. It's it's uh I was thinking about making fun of musicians when I was uh, like a teenager, you know, well, they this person got happy and it's not good music anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um like Adele, I need you to be br- break up again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I need more sad music, please. Yeah. As we love that purge and the expression and, uh, and there's a lot of stereotypes and tropes around this. Like, what does it mean to be funny or creative? And well, they must be very depressed and insane. And it's a very, it's like this fantasy land of how you can create this character, right? You must be a little bit off if you're um, going to make anything worthwhile. And that's all just BS, right? Um, it's all just a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see a lot of that. It's uh, anxiety as a motivator. I think you're really onto something there where when people lose that, there's a tendency to want to be comfortably miserable um, with life, with relationships, with work, um, where if I can be stuck in this known place, at least I know it and I can complain about it. And that's addictive getting that like dopamine drip just from, you know, you're training yourself to be addicted to misery. Um, and it can be a transition. It's a tough transition. It's not going to, you know, you're, you are going to lose some performance at first, 
And, you know, it's funny. I was just listening to uh, James Nestor. He wrote the book Breath. And he was talking about, we all need to be breathing through our noses because it's this filtration system. It's like this magical instrument designed to intake air and filter it and give it to our body. But a lot of us are mouth breathers and it's really difficult for us and athletes in particular to train themselves to stop breathing through their mouths and breathe through their noses because not only is it uncomfortable at first, but like a, like a muscle, you will lose it. Your nose will get clogged and you'll be less able to use it, et cetera. So, you know, this vicious cycle, but the more you train to do that, the easier it gets. However, you will experience a performance drop at first. Um, it's just like my dad ran track and he had to relearn how to run because his form was bad and he got slower, but it's long-term health. It's long-term success, longevity, right? That you will experience that short-term drop and change. Um, and to allow yourself to, uh, if you can embrace that feeling of uncertainty and being anxious about not being anxious, uh, eventually it just gets easier. Just all of life is uncertainty. And the more you can come to peace with that, just the better everything gets. I mean, the easier it is to feel at ease and to make stuff without feeling pressured to perform it for somebody else or, um, you know, like you said, having that anxiety as a motivator, it's instead just what do you want to create? Because it means everything to, because deathbed, you would regret you not doing it <clears throat> versus what, uh, what will somebody think if I don't do this or I do do this? How much of this do you think is tied to age or maturity, whichever way we want to define it, right? Um, in how folks act throughout their lives, right? As we think about our deathbed selves, um, I always find it interesting to talk to folks who are um, a bit older and just kind of listen to how they talk about work and careers and things like that and how different that is from someone who's 21 who's like, no, if, if we're not doing this, if, if I don't find my dream job tomorrow, you know, um, what have you sort of seen in your work um, changes throughout people's lives? Are there sort of phases that we go through in our brain's development from youth to, you know, maturity? What, what sort of things do you typically see? Or is there no difference throughout life? And everyone's at a different place. Absolutely. There's a difference in everybody in every year, in every moment, we're all capable of change. You know, our brain, the neuroplasticity of it, we can constantly be changing the way we see and feel and think and behave and create in the world. Yes. There's also a difference in, um, when we're, you know, early adulthood, early twenties, we're still, we're like kids in adult bodies and, people look at us and expect us to be adults and we're kind of rah, rah about it but our frontal lobe isn't even fully developed. We don't even have fully developed compassion or capacity for it. Empathy and compassion, that part of our prefrontal cortex is still learning and developing and growing. Uh, so it's, it's uh, very easy to be, one of the things a brain does really well is be self-referential. So it's comparing everything out in the world and saying, well, this is what I should be doing. What about me? And I think the older and more mature and wiser we get, we realize that that distinction between us and the rest of the world is more of an illusion that we've just created. 
it's our ego protecting us. It's creating some kind of identity to keep us alive. Ego has a purpose, right? It is to keep us alive. And, um, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword. So if we can learn to, I guess, take that lightly, ease up on it. It's, and have more fun with life and the world and realize that I think you can constantly be changing and growing. Um, did I answer that question? Yeah, well, and, and digging into that ego piece, what's been your journey with the ego? Where, what has been maybe the arc from where you started to the content that you're creating today? Ooh, uh, let's see. So when I was first, when I had my first real job after college at an agency, um, I was all ego <laughs> and, uh, largely it's like, you know, twenties. And I had all these ideas about what I should be doing, what this could look like. And, and I disagreed, fundamentally disagreed with a lot of the things that the way that the agency was doing things and what they expected of me didn't align to what I thought I should be doing, what, what felt right. This is why I like to joke a lot that I'm unemployable. Um, cause you know, expresses expressing a lot of opinions and saying, no, I think, I think instead of, uh, logging all these billable hours, I'm going to make a direct mail campaign and doodle some stick figures. And that's more fun. Um, <laughs> so I think, and then getting fired, I uh, call it getting quit because they told me I quit. It's a long story. They told me I quit and I went in and I was like, no, you're going to have to fire me. Um, that was extremely humbling, uh, and nerve wracking. And it's like all of the stories that come with that, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm not good enough to keep a job. And what, what do they think of me? What am I going to do? Uh, and that whole mental swirl that, that we go through when we're faced with rejection, I think that having, being rejected is pursue being rejected, like by creating stuff, putting it out there, saying stuff, trying stuff out and temper that with kindness. And I think we just learn that more as we go, you know, as I'm now in my late thirties and I think I've gotten a lot better at maintaining a healthier perspective on, you know, the balance between having strong opinions and wanting to express myself and also realizing that people are where they are. And, um, we all have a lot of fears and uncertainties and I don't want anyone to ever feel stuck in shame or regret or feeling like they, they can't be themselves. So yeah, I think the journey of the ego, I look forward to that continuing to lighten and um, to really be present in being and making stuff that helps bring more joy and levity to the world. And I wonder if that's something that is almost fostered in the advertising kind of media world. Um, because I know, you know, I was in the marketing advertising world as well. And you have a lot of people who are really good at reading people, really good at creativity, really good at expression and self-expression. And, and they kind of get into that field because they think, oh, it's artistic or, oh, it's, it's like the business way to get my creativity out. 
And there's a friction that tends to happen, or at least that I see happens a lot with folks where you have the one group who's like, I'm, I'm a client manager and I just, I'm good at email and all that scheduling and everything. And then you have the other side, which is like, this is slowly draining me all the life out of me, right? I'm an artist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I always joke with my clients, it's like, don't get into advertising thinking it's Mad Men, right? Like, don't buy into the, the movie version of jobs uh, in a lot of ways. Um, go talk to real people and hear what it's really like. Um, and in, are you open to talking a little bit about that sort of quitting layoff situation. Um, yeah. Well, so they, yeah. you said that they told you you quit. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, it was pretty mouthy and um, I just disagreed with a lot of things. I made it known that I disagreed with a lot of things. And uh, the day that I, I had a, I had a doctor's appointment, a lady parts exam. And I told my manager, which I put in quotes because we had a flat structure and um, we already had a, a bit of friction and, and she, she doubted that I had a, an actual, an appointment and I just got enraged about it. And I was just like, cause it was also very um, vulnerable, like sensitive appointment. And <laughs> I just said, if you don't believe me, you know, just go run and tell fucking boss that, you, you know, that I'm whatever, just like, I said something really nasty um, and she, she cried and I left, like stormed, stormed off and went to my appointment, got there. They're like, you have really high blood pressure. I'm like, well, it's <laughs> not a fight. Um, and I got home that day and after calling like a couple people at the agency bitching about it, it was just like, uh, you know, really, like I said, uh, learning how to be more compassionate was still that part of my brain was still developing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I got home and my email stopped working. And, was, and so I called IT. It's like, why is my email not working? And well, I don't know, weird. And then a couple of hours later, it's like now 6 or 7 p.m. or something like this, the owner and head of HR called and we're just like, hi, Jocelyn, how you doing? I'm like, this is an odd way to start a conversation. I can't access my email. That's how I'm doing. And well, yeah, we're sorry to hear that you quit. I'm like stunned. What? What? Yeah, sorry to hear that you quit. So we won't need you coming back into the office tomorrow. And, da -da -da -da. and I was like, no, 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 no. Hold up. I did not. I don't quit. I would be very clear if I did quit. Mm -hmm. um, you are quitting me. So you're going to have to say the words fire and fired. And um, they just refused to do that on the call. And so we we didn't agree. We, we did not even agree to disagree. And so the next day I, I was just like heart pounding, marched into the office. I just remember the whole drive, just like, Oh my God, Oh my God, oh my God. The easier thing would just be to let that to just accept it and, and walk away. But I walked in and my key card didn't work, of course. So I followed somebody else in and this is the day they happened to have their um, team meetings. And I just waited until everybody was there. And I walked in and uh, the owner just, her expression was priceless. What? And I think that's like the kind of, uh, you know, that like sick feeling of, yes, I got her. Uh, and she's like, oh, super surprised to see me. Oh, hi, Jocelyn. Let's, let's have a, let's have a chat. And she took me outside and um, 
she just, you know, is again saying, sorry to hear you quit, et cetera. And I was just like, listen, I just feel like this whole company has been a bit of a bait and switch. And here's the things that I think are really a letdown. And here's the ways that I think you could treat people better. And um, I'm going to go to the unemployment office after this. And I'm going to talk to my lawyer and um, make sure that everything's clear and that you fired me. Um, and immediately after that, I went home. I think I pretended to be my own lawyer again. It was like the second time in my life. And uh, I opened up a new email account and emailed everybody at the office. It was just a very short, just thank you so much for being wonderful colleagues. I've unfortunately been um, fired and uh, see you on the flip side. So getting that on record. That, that's an incredible story. I mean, just the, like the sheer confidence to be able to go back in, you know, knowing the people that I coach, it's like, that is the, the, that's really commendable to be able to get up and just go back in and face that again. I, that's incredible. It's a very like Larry David almost story <laughs> in a way. I think he has like an SNL story like that, where he's like, I'm just going to go back in and hope they don't remember what happened <laughs> yesterday. Uh, that's so amazing. Um, and so after that, what was your next step? Where did you, what did you end up um, taking away from that experience that you've now brought into your career? Uh, that same day, it was my birthday week. And so it was, uh, that was fired basically for my birthday and I started a business immediately. And I thought I just filed for a business license. And I thought, Hey, these, it was two women who, who ran the company and shortly thereafter they split and it, it, you know, really became more of, um, the identity of that, that boss I was telling you about versus what, what I thought it was. So anyway, I started, I thought these two women started this agency. They didn't know anything. They didn't know what they were doing. Well, I'm in the same boat. Um, and so I figured I would just do that. And I filed for, I couldn't decide on a name. It was the dumbest name. It was a uh, histoire, which is the French word for story. Like no one knows how to say that. It's so stupid. And um, a couple days later, I thought of scribe. And so I changed it to that. Um, I guess, you know, lesson being just start, just do it. You can always change your mind, mm -hmm. get the license, do the thing. And I thought, you know what? I'm going, this is going to work. I am going to make a living writing. I'm going to make a living telling stories. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know anything yet. I'm just going to start blindly writing and just looked up people on Craigslist looking for writers and, and people to, they wanted to employ. And I just sort of said, I'm a freelancer. Are you looking for freelance support? And, and I just was very, um, I had a lot of tenacity and I would just go after anything. I would just find people I thought were doing interesting things or companies I thought were doing interesting things. And I would just write to them. Just, are you looking for a writer? Or try to find some clever way in, you know? Um, and that just grew. Is it, for, it went for me going, can I make enough to just eat a sandwich mm -hmm. uh, and pay my rent to, you know, within a few years, I had grown a team. Um, it, I had a, you know, a full team of writers and strategists and I started rising, rising up, was working directly with like marketing directors and the CMOs. And then that became creating brand voices for these huge multi-billion dollar brands. This is me and my little team here in Portland, Oregon with among these giant agencies in New York and London and, uh, LA. Um, and, yeah, it just kind of, you know, then I, I could, I bought a house. It's like, what? This is amazing. You could just like grow something, not knowing what to do. And that's 
kind of the point, right? We never know. It's all uncertainty. You just, you just put one foot in front of the other and just be bold. Be bold indeed. And that I, what I really enjoy what you're saying here is that it's not about starting over. It's about building on top of. And I think a lot of times when folks get, go through a layoff or go through a quitting or go through a change in their career, um, you know, I work with a lot of career changers who are going from, you know, through a boot camp in order to make a big career change. And they're always trying to start over, start fresh, ignore the past, lose the past. And what I'm hearing from you, it's like, that happened. Now I'm going to put this on top of that structure and keep building from there. And I think that there's so much in that of like just getting started, not really even having all the pieces together. And I, it's funny that you talk about the name. The first podcast I ever had was called uh, Discover Your Inner Awesome. And about two episodes in, I couldn't stand that name anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so cringy. Um, but cringe is okay. Like cringe gets you to the next thing. And so as you're thinking about like that slow but sure leveling up, um, and just getting out there and getting started, what are the typical brain blockers? What are the things that's, that didn't stop you, but would typically stop other people? Yeah, and I do, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs from people who've been running their business for several, year, several years to people who are just like so scared of stepping out of this comfortably known, you know, in corporate careers or in agencies and going out on their own. And a lot of the stories that come up is it's kind of like, well, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Therefore, I'll never know what I'm doing. Your brain starts to fill in these gaps, right? Like, I don't even know where to start. Therefore, I'll never start. Um, maybe I'll get to this tomorrow, aka I'll never do this, right? Like tomorrow is a very insidious word when it comes to you wanting to make a big change because it's never going to feel like the right time. Uh, probably it's always going to feel scary. It's always going to feel uh, uncertain. You're not going to know things. You just have to deal with that. You just have to learn how to embrace that. Again, embrace the uncertainty. Um, I I think partially for me, I had a I had a really interesting upbringing in childhood. Very early on, um, so I was born in in Canada, and then raised. We we moved my family and I, my mom, dad, and half sister. We moved to Southern California. They split when I was seven. I moved to the Big Island of Hawaii with my dad. Immediately thereafter, my house burned down uh, from a lava flow. So then we were homeless, and we lived in a homeless shelter. And so I think that I was seven years old. So I think that was a very early uh, imprint that showed me you can literally lose everything, you know, your house and the ground beneath you. And it's okay. You will figure it out. You just keep going and you keep building. I think a lot of that really built character and resilience in me that I want to help other people nurture and build, and especially people who've had, you know, pretty linear or comfortable um, positions in in their careers. And how do you how do you get away from that and into this like oh there's it's I I feel like I'm just falling. It's that old quote about what you know an entrepreneur is somebody who jumps off the cliff and assembles the parachute along the way. Yeah. And uh, and there's so much beauty and freedom in that because you will figure it out. You will, you just will. And so how do you cultivate that belief? And I think it's just continuing to prove it to yourself every single day that even if you're scared, 
even if sometimes it feels awful and you're crying your eyes out and you don't know what you're going to do next, you get through it. And um, yeah, I think that's one of the most important things to nurture and, and remember, you will figure it out. And the tomorrow is insidious uh, piece, I think is important because I, I like that you're saying you will figure it out. And I'll just put the caveat in there. You'll figure it out if you keep trying to figure it out. You know, there are plenty of 50 year olds sleeping in their parents' basements uh, who never figured it out because they chose this life of comfort over the life of dealing with that rejection or dealing with that change or going through that, that momentum that they need to get to that next thing. And I always worry sometimes with folks in their careers when um, ego, going back to the ego piece gets in the way. I had a friend when I was younger and um, his dad was laid off and there was like all this drama with cheating and broken up families and all this stuff. And and one of the things that I found so interesting about seeing that as a kid and seeing all of that play out was the fact that um, when that person went through a layoff, they made a decision in their head that they would not go back to a job that paid anything less than what they previously made. And what followed was a decade of being unemployed and doing just small bit jobs. and. I think that ego thing is so important to humble because we can actually get stuck if we don't push through these things. If if you you know went through that experience with the ad agency and then just said, I don't know, maybe I'll get another job at an ad agency and then just went through the monotony of that and who knows? I mean, obviously you would have found a way because <laughs> you're so driven, but there are folks that get stuck and when you think about people who are really stuck, who really can't even send that email or, or get out of bed in the morning maybe, um, what are some really small things that they could start cultivating to build that confidence again, to start getting that momentum started? If someone maybe went through a big transition and then just hit a wall, what is, what is maybe a way to start climbing out of that hole again? Yeah, I think, I mean, when we get stuck and when we're, when we're trapped in, in ego land, it's a very rigid, brittle, righteous place. It's the very opposite of play, creativity, exploration, all the things that we are literally geniuses at when we're, when we're kids. And going back to that way that society is sort of structured it kind of beats that out of us it's not this this very rigid structure is not conducive to being our most creative playful selves but that is where we learn and grow it's one of my favorite quotes from dr stuart brown who wrote the book on play says when we stop playing we start dying so it's how do you get back into that place of like wonder and awe and joy and you're exploring <clears throat> you're exploring in a in a safe way because you're playing but when you are at that, like, just, I, I feel completely stuck. I'm hitting a wall, you know, verge or even descending into depression. And, and by the way, I think that there's a real importance for therapy and that's different from coaching as we know, but sometimes you need a therapist. Sometimes you need to dig into the root 
and do a little more excavating. But sometimes you need that perspective shift to move forward. And that's the place that I like to focus on and, and play, play in. And that's where it's like, what is the smallest thing that you can do today to prove to yourself you got this, that you got confidence? And it's literally like BJ Fogg in his book, Tiny Habits, talks about if you want to have good oral hygiene, right? Floss one tooth. That's your agreement with yourself. You did floss one tooth. Likely you're going to floss more teeth. And then you give yourself a little celebration and you're acknowledging, you're training your brain, you're giving yourself that little, you know, like dopamine hit. Um, that you are capable of doing the thing you're proving to yourself. So you're creating a new story and eventually you get into that new habit. So it's always contextual. It's like, if you are, you know, you feel like, well, I'm never getting, um, the right gigs or the right clients or the projects I get aren't paying enough or don't feel aligned to who I am. It's like, well, okay, what's, what's one thing you can do about that. A tiny thing, just tiny. Can you think about what's one, what would life be like without those projects, for example, and just start exploring other avenues in your brain about the, what the other stories look like. Can you focus on what's one way I can make somebody laugh or smile with what I send them today? Can I put myself outside of myself. Can I, you know, express gratitude, send someone a thank you letter just to kind of jostle your perspective and your thinking and get out of this rut and this groove that you're in. Cause it's becoming like a grand Canyon of thinking, right? And everything wants to go sail down into that sewer of thinking. So it's how do you take that tiny little micro step, um, to find play and wonder and joy and, and little, little micro bursts of confidence. And since you started doing Scribe and, and building, you know, your business and, and really getting into the, the amazing stuff that you're building today, um, were there any dips in your expressions of play? Were there any moments where you kind of fell down into a pit and had to climb back out? What were some of those moments like? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one that comes to mind is, so I had built Scribe and had been running it for, uh, I think... 12 years or so, um, 2019, I started to feel really burnt out and I was just, uh, I fell out of love with helping these brands develop their stories and it'd become apparent. So I got my neuro leadership coaching certification in 2016. I went to 2017 is when I got certified. The reason I did that is because I loved doing these workshops and facilitating these conversations and naturally coaching people um, to be more playful, to have more confidence, to communicate more clearly, to just like make your life and work what you want it to be, which means you have to step up and express yourself and face the fears of which are very scary things that you might lose your job if you're expressing who you are and what you need and what you want. But um, at what cost are you keeping it? Uh, there's a million other jobs out there and you can make your own, right? I know that's much easier said than done. So you have to cultivate that confidence and, and boldness and courage. Um, but I loved that part of the work. I loved less. Like, I don't really care about your brand voice guide. I don't really care. And it, which I would make, I would write it. And I was like, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to see it again. And then I would train people on it. And I'm like, I don't. 
this, I don't want to see your ads. Like there are moments where I really love helping them express a more, uh, perfect, you know, more on point word choice. Cause I love language and that'll never go away. And I do very, very, very small occasional consulting projects on the side. But again, going back to that 2019, it's just like falling into a rut. It's like, I don't, I, I have no motivation for this, but now, but at this point I have a very comfortable position. I have all of these writers, I have huge contracts and what am I going to do? How am I going to start saying no? So it took another eruption in COVID to come along in 2020 and all the contracts, you know, like gone. And that was the best thing. I felt so relieved. Of course, there was a lot of fear and uncertainty, but I was so like a weight had lifted. And finally I can do what I've been sort of ruminating on, which is come out as a brain coach, coach, you know, like coach, I had to learn to accept that word and embrace it. Coach, facilitator, speaker, or like to say now a brain edutainer. And uh, yeah, I think that was, that's the biggest one that comes to mind of just that kind of like, I'm feeling super stuck. What am I going to do? It is interesting how that word coach is something that a lot of coaches have to come to terms with. I had the exact same experience (laughs) where I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a brand trainer. I'm like a marketing trainer. And then I was like, all right, I'm a coach. (laughs) So It's funny how that, that transition is sometimes uh, such a, an interesting development or, or kind of letting go in a way, right? Like letting go to the reality of what you actually do. Um, and when you started digging back into that and you started launching, well, first of all, what you said there of like COVID taking things away was a blessing in disguise. I find that to be one of the most common messages that I've seen in my coaching of like, I've wanted to quit this job for years. Thank God something came along and made that happen for me. And I think a lot of what you and I are talking about is like helping people who have been wanting to quit for years to be able to do it without COVID, you know, like be able to make those changes without a death or a job loss or a pandemic to force it. Right. And when it came to like getting back into the creative spirit for you and developing what you're doing now, and really, I mean, you watch your videos, you're playing a ton like that. You have a level of play I aspire to. And like, there's there's so much fun in it from even just the wigs you wear to the different things that you've got going on like what has been that experience for you did was the first video right out of the gate you've just had all this pent-up creativity or has it been a slow kind of un opening up as you've been going through your creation process yeah i think it's a bit of both because i think the first the very first one i sat down i i didn't have any idea (laughs) excuse me one step the joy of cats. I can't hear my microphone. Okay. Um, yeah. So the very first one, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I just had this like notion of an idea. I think I had been thinking about maybe I'll make digital courses, like video training programs or something, but I kept falling into that rut of, well, I'm going to teach storytelling. I was like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. It's like it's something else, it's something else. And I realized, oh, it's the brain stories that I love. And I thought, I like looked at one of the books, one of my favorite books, Words Can Change Your Brain was next to me. I had this, you know, little brain. Um, I can't find him right now. So I'll hold up the one of the big ones I just got <laughs> from, from a stranger. Um, so I just sat down and thought, 
I'll give myself this container. I'll try to make a something in two minutes and I'll just say stuff and then I'll figure out how to edit it. I didn't know how to do any of that. And I did that first one in one sitting. I've never been able to replicate that. Um, Cause as you can see now, I started to play more. I started to bring in clips and experiment with fast cut edits and put in, you know, just more elements um, that felt, felt like I could learn something as I was going. Um, and I've been cultivating that ever since. And now some of them, I really do love, it's like every writer loves having written. I love having created them, but I, I do. And I fall in love with the process, but there's definitely times where it's like, God, what am I doing? What am I talking about? What are words? All of a sudden I know nothing. And how am I ever going to finish this? And that's coming back to you. You get stuck in your rigidity and your ego and you start, you know, going, huh. And that's when I know I need to put on a wig or put on my penguin suit or wear my brain cap um, because I need to just take things lightly. I need to take myself less seriously and remember that I'm making this because I truly, I want to help people feel that sense of play and wonder and awe and learn something that I think is super interesting and really helpful. Um, yeah. It's incredible. I, I, I definitely think that it's something people should check out. And as we come to the end here, um, how can people find out more about you and the uh, brainy techniques that you're sharing with the world? Yeah, you could go to jocelynbrady.com and you can find me on LinkedIn, Jocelyn Brady, also on YouTube and Instagram at jocelthem. Wonderful. And if there was one more thing that you would lay out there for someone who is looking to make a change in their career, all right, they're sitting in a job, they're not super stoked about it, what would you tell them to do? Well, this goes back to the advice that I've been giving quite a lot, which is think of deathbed you. That person is incredibly wise and they have something they really want you to hear today. It's they're telling you to do something so that you don't have any regrets on your deathbed. What is that thing? Listen to them. They know what they're talking about. Go do that thing. Jocelyn, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.